0: Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Annie and I between us will share this presentation. In total, it's about 30 to 35 minutes in length. At the end of that, there'll be then be an opportunity for people to ask uh, any questions that they wish, Um, And uh, and therefore, I'll kick off now and um, I'll then hand over to Andy once I've given the initial introduction. So this covers the uh, financial period from the 1st of August until the 31st of January this year. Um, And as a starting point, just as a reminder, this is a common slide that we use in all of our investor presentations. It's to provide consistency and explain changes period to period in terms of capability that's being added into the group. And you can see here the biggest change in the most recent reporting period is that we're now 550 people in strength following acquisitions in Ireland and in North America. And we've added two key areas of capability. One of those is via a North American acquisition, which is around yard automation and computer-aided dispatch. And we'll explain more about that later. And the second area we've added is via Earth observation, which is via an acquisition we've made in Ireland. And again, we'll provide more information about that later. Everything you see as we go through this presentation, if it's in green, it relates to our rail technology and services division. And if it's in dark blue, it relates to our data analytics consultancy and events division. So as a starting point, so in terms of what were our objectives for the first half of this year? Well, the first one was to maximise the return post the COVID pandemic. And as everybody that knows us well will know that our events and traffic data businesses were both hit very hard by the pandemic. The second objective was to convert our record pipeline of opportunities. And the third objective was to continue to expand the group through targeted mergers and acquisition activity. So I'm really pleased with the progress we've made in all those three areas. So all of that has underpinned strong revenue and EBITDA growth in the period. And also due to the recent large contract wins that we announced this week, that will also underpin strong growth in recurring software revenue through the remainder of this financial year and then into subsequent years and beyond. So that's really important to us to underpin our objective, which is to put more and more recurring revenue um, into the business model. So alongside that, as we continue to grow, it's really important that we continue to integrate the group. So in total now, we are made up of a historic history of 17 different acquisitions. And as we grow, it's really important that we have a real commonality of business process and structure that sits behind those acquisitions. So what we're trying to achieve is to make sure we keep the agility and the entrepreneurship that comes from buying the technology businesses that we've acquired, but then put behind it a real structure that enables us to grow and expand really quickly. And we're making really good progress in in that regard. With regards to expansion of the group, two acquisitions have been made. One is into the really important North American market, which is through the acquisition of a business called Railcom which enables us to actually now have a platform around which we can grow our rail technology and services revenue in North America. And then the second acquisition was to expand our technology base, which was into Earth Observation, which is part of our growth strategy linked to data analytics and GIS. So at the headline level, you know, really good progress made across the group. Um, we're on track to deliver our st- strategic objectives. Um, and there's some, you know, some really exciting developments um, through the period. So I'll now hand you over to Andy to talk you through the, the financial headlines for the period.
2: Thanks, Chris. So as Chris mentioned, the first half financial performance is characterised by strong revenue and profit growth. The total revenue for the group was up by 31% to £29.2 million. and million. I'll we'll talk through the drivers of that on the next slide. We saw an increase in adjusted EBITDA of 14% with profit growth in both divisions, and an increase in PBT of 16%. The group continues to be very cash generative, and we close the period with £25.1 million of cash, which is very close to where we entered the period, and that's after investing about £2.5 million in the ICON acquisition and earnouts. As Chris mentioned, we've completed two acquisitions, ICON during the first half, and then subsequently the acquisition of Railcom. We'll talk you through the details of Railcom in due course, but even after doing that, we're still left with a strong balance sheet position and cash in order to continue to invest in the growth of the group. And as we're seeing that recovery from COVID, we have restored our progressive dividend policy and declared an interim dividend of 0.9 pence per share. There's a lot of information on this slide that this really talks through the key drivers of the strong revenue growth that we've seen in the first half. As Chris said, anything in green is the rail technology and services side of the business. And the dark blue is the data analytics consultancy and events. In the top left corner, you can see that we've seen continued growth in our rail software revenue. So, this is our recurring revenue from rail software licenses, as well as our bespoke software development revenue. That's really pleasing to see. And during the period and subsequently to the end of January, we've won a number of contracts that will continue to fuel further growth in this side of the business. And we'll talk through the details of those in due course. You can see in the middle on the top line remote condition monitoring revenue in the first half was slightly lower than the first half of last year which was a record performance. This side of the business can have a more cyclical revenue pattern which reflects the investment cycle of our UK customer base. What we've seen in the first half of this year is consistent with those historic trends and this is really one of the areas where the strategic value of the Railcom acquisition comes into play because opening up the north american market for remote condition monitoring not only increases the size of the market for a hardware and software offering here but also will allow us to offset some of that cyclicality in the revenue where we're at the moment tied to a totally uk customer base on the other side of the business data analytics consultancy and events showed extremely strong revenue growth in the first half up 72 percent to 17 and a half million pounds a big driver of this was the post-COVID recovery in events and traffic data. So You can see on the bottom row, events had a very, very strong revenue recovery, and here activity levels are back at pre-pandemic levels. On traffic data, the recovery is slightly more phased, but we expect that to get back to pre-pandemic levels during the second half of this financial year. And what's really pleasing here is the speed at which our businesses and our teams are able to respond to that pickup up and demand as a result of the actions we took over the last couple of years to protect those businesses and safeguard jobs. On the Data Informatics and Transport Insights side, both of those businesses have shown organic growth in the period. They also benefited from the acquisitions we made in the last calendar year of Icon Geo and FlashForward Consulting, respectively. The bar chart on the right-hand side of this slide shows the level of recurring and repeat revenue that we see in each side of the business. And our strategic goal is really to grow that light green bar, which is the recurring and repeat revenue on the rail technology and services side of the business. In the first half of this year, that was almost 80% of the divisional revenue. Now that ratio will jump around a little bit, depending on how much hardware sales and how much bespoke software activity goes on during the period. We typically expect that to see that around the 70, 75% mark going forward. But our goal is to grow the absolute size of that bar going forward. Just looking at the income statement in more detail, so we can see the strong revenue growth there. Adjusted EBITDA was up by 14%. And in the first half of last year, we were still claiming some support from the furlough scheme. And that gave us about half a million pounds of support to the income statement. So if you adjust for that, we actually saw adjusted EBITDA growth of about 26% on an underlying basis. The total group EBITDA margin of 21% reflects us getting back to that more normalised mix of revenue and is much closer to what we'd expect to see on a sustainable basis for the business going forward. Just looking at the divisional performance so, rail technology and services revenue in total was down 3% on the first half of last year. That was driven by the cyclicality we talked about on the remote condition monitoring side of the business. But despite that, we were able to grow EBITDA by 4%. And as I said, we've won a number of key contract wins in this side of the business in recent months. And that leaves us very well positioned to deliver further growth in H2 and looking further forward. On the data analytics consultancy and event side, strong revenue growth, which has dropped through to EBITDA growth. And again, in the prior year, we had that half a million pounds of support from the furlough scheme. So when you adjust for that, the EBITDA percentage in that division has grown on an underlying basis from 11% to 13%. And that includes retaining some of the cost savings that we put through in the business in response to COVID. Our target was to retain about half a million of those on an annualised basis, and we're tracking to that in the first half. And then finally on the cash flow, as I say, we had a, a strong cash performance in the first half of the year. Our working capital patterns reflect the normal trading patterns for the business which is typically a little bit more cash generative in the second half of the year and in total we invested 2.5 million pounds in acquisitions earnouts and transaction costs we don't capitalize any of our r&d post period end we've invested a gross of 10.9 million pounds in the acquisition of railcom and there's approximately 4.9 million pounds of contingent and deferred consideration as payable in the second half of the year despite that, but still leaves us with a strong balance sheet and cash position. And we're continuing to look for opportunities to invest that in growing the business. So with that, I'll hand back to Chris to talk through some of the more detailed business unit by business unit performance. Thanks, Andy.
1: So in terms of talking through this sector, this follows a very familiar pattern, which any of you that have attended these before would have seen before. Uh, We go through five core areas of the business. Again, the green areas are rail technology, and the dark blue is focused around big data and data analytics. And in each case, we'll give you an update on pipeline conversion, R&D activities, and any other updates that are relevant in terms of what's happened during the period. So if we start with our operational performance software sector, so this is dominated by a product called Trax Enterprise. Again, for those of you that have known about us for a while, this is our end-to-end hosted uh, uh, software package that covers everything from timetabling through to rostering of crew uh, through to the rostering of rolling stock through to on the day management of the railway on behalf of a train uh, passenger or a freight operator so this has been under development for quite a period of time we have the first two passenger train operators going live this summer and they're going live with the full end-to-end system we're currently in the early stages of that go live deployment as we speak and that will then follow through in the form of detailed user training as we move through to the uh, go live event Importantly, we're really building momentum though with the pipeline conversion that sits behind that. So we have won our first freight operator contract. And this is important because um, moving forward, freight is gonna get a bigger and bigger proportion of capacity uh, on the UK rail network. And as a result, their operations will become more and more complicated to manage. And so what we're starting to see is a number of freight operators becoming interested in the systems that they now need to manage that complexity of that operation. So that first freight operator contract goes live in the early stages of 2023. We then won our next multi-year contract with a large UK train operator. It's a five-year contract that starts with immediate configuration and development in the next couple of weeks. So that revenue will start to flow through in H2. And that equally will go live in the early stages of 2023. And then we've won a three-year contract with a two-year extension opportunity with a passenger transport authority that has both light and heavy rail. So they have a metro system and they also have an overland rail system. Um, And again, this demonstrates that the flexibility of this software in the case that it can work on uh, large complex uh, geographic networks. It can work on much smaller, much simpler local uh, rail networks, and it can also underpin future freight operations as well. So it's really pleasing to start to see that pipeline conversion And we continue to have a very strong pipeline beyond this in terms of new opportunities that we hope to be able to announce in future periods. If we then move on to our remote condition monitoring business, so as Andy has said, the challenge on this side of the business is that the cycle, in terms of our sales cycle, is driven by the investment cycle from our customer base. And if you look back historically, there's always a level of lumpiness um, year to year and period to period. So we have two key revenue streams here. One of those is selling the hardware, and it's the hardware that tends to be the most lumpy in terms of the orders that we receive and we now have over 22,000 pieces of hardware now installed across the uk network and the importance of the railcom acquisition is we hope when they we now have a platform there that will enable to accelerate the rollout of that technology into the very large north american market as well and then in addition to the hardware sale we have a product called centrix we're the only approved supplier of hardware who also has a software platform linked to their product and how Centrix works it's licensed per device so as many users as the customer wants can access the data once they have a device license but every device has to have a license so what we're typically seeing is uh, Roots will place a license like the 500 device license here some of that will cover existing hardware that they want to transition onto the platform and some of it will. will will provide the headroom that enables them to do future hardware procurement, which they they can then hook back to the software platform. What we're finding is that Centrix is increasingly important because it enables the client to download, to analyze, to set fault conditions and to track asset performance, which is a key part of how the industry is gonna transition away from time-based maintenance to um, uh, asset condition. Uh, based maintenance, which is a really important driver moving forward for the industry. What we're also seeing within the cycle as well is that what you typically see with any five year control period is you see big infrastructure upgrade programs and what you tend to see is in the first phase of the five year cycle there's a lot of planning, then it moves into procurement and then it moves into installation. So we are moving into the final two years of CP6, and as a result, we're now seeing more orders and more interest from the large system integrators that typically are responsible for the big signaling up signaling upgrade programs. So lots going on. Um, and, and, and then the move into North America in particular is really exciting here to balance out the lumpiness of, of the UK orders that we that we historically see. And then the, the third area is around a product called Rail Hub. So we announced last summer a very large contract win here that product is now midway through its rollout. And by the end of this year, 40,000 people in the UK will be fully trained on how to use this software product. And the software product has two main customer bases. One is in the industry supply chain, and one is with Network Rail, which is obviously the UK's big infrastructure provider. And the overall objective here is that the whole industry is using the same tool to manage the way in which it deploys people onto the railway, the way in which it manages competencies, in which it signs off and approves work and the way in which it issues work to staff so that that work is delivered in the safest possible way. So this is a great opportunity for this product to both expand its capability moving forward um, and also for us to support the industry with its agenda of, of saving lives and adopting more and more digital technology, but recognizing that that needs to deliver clear benefits for the industry. So I'll now hand you over to Andy just to talk through the other two sides of the
2: business. Thanks, Chris. So in terms of um, customer experience, so the smart ticketing was a key strategic goal that was outlined in the William Schatz review that was published last year. And in the first half, we issued an industry white paper outlining our view on how that strategic goal can be achieved and particularly how our technology can help to deliver that. We're seeing increasing momentum from a pipeline perspective in smart ticketing. We announced a new contract win with our full year results due to go live in the second half of this year and start to contribute revenue and we've got another deployment with a large transport authority that's in the final stages of procurement and the key thing from our side we provide the back office intelligence that deals with all the complexity of the uk ticketing landscape and we're actually agnostic about the front-end offer in terms of how that's provided to the customer so currently it's rolled out with a smart card solution Um, we can do that with a Contactless bank card solution, which we think is one of the uh, forthcoming applications. And then through our innovation hub, we're also looking at other ways that we can get this technology into the hands of the consumer, including developing a mobile app and barcode, barcode deployment solution. The customer experience side of the business also includes delay repay, and we've won two new multi year delay repay contracts. So, really strong momentum on that side of the business. And clearly, we can offer a fully integrated delay repay smart ticketing solution. For customers. This is a slide that we shared with the full year results, which shows what we believe to be a realistic, addressable market for the UK rail industry. What we've added to it since the full year is the bars in blue, which show our assessment of how much of that space is currently occupied by our competitors. And each of the three areas of our rail business have a slightly different competitive landscape, but in each of them, you can see that there's still a substantial amount of white space for us to move into and deliver future growth. On the data analytics GIS side of the group, we acquired ICON-GEO in November. So there's been a lot of focus in the first half of integrating that with our existing data and GIS capabilities. And as a result of that, we've now got a, a data and analytics center of excellence that's based in Dublin, which is allowing us not only to uplift and increase the sophistication of our offering across our current product portfolio, but also allows us to apply that across the group to help us to generate the next generation of products. And then lastly, in terms of uh, updates, as we continue to evolve our operating model from a business with 17 acquisitions now to a more integrated group model that's more scalable, the focus in the first half of the year has been very much around our people strategy. And a key part of that was launching what we're calling the One Traxis Leadership Training Program, which is to uh, 100 employees right across the group, an 18-month program Which is all about developing leadership capabilities in an entrepreneurial fast-moving tech environment, so very relevant for our organisation, key investment in our people and our developing the next generation of leaders for our business. We're also looking at expanding our shared services model into the IT environment, moving on to common group-wide IT operating environment that underpins all of the SaaS contracts that we've got in operation and we continue to accelerate the maturity of our ESG activities with a particular focus on the s element of that in the first half including diversity and inclusion and volunteering we'll be publishing a group-wide esg scorecard with the full year results so moving on now to consider the railcom acquisition in a bit more detail so railcom is a rail technology business that's based in fairport in upstate new york operating for over 20 years its key activities are around yard automation and computer-aided dispatch. So it forms a very nice complement to Traxis's existing products that we offer to our UK customers. And we see exciting growth opportunities, both in Railcom's core products, but also to allow us to access an existing direct relationship with the key customers right across the North American market so that we can progressively move our existing portfolio of products over into North America. As Chris said, we see remote condition monitoring as being the first phase of that. But then we've got a detailed three-year plan to move some of the software products over in due course. In order to implement this, we are moving one of our senior train rail management directors is moving to North America and will oversee practices American activities here, both in terms of delivering that organic growth and also looking for further opportunities to consolidate and repeat that successful model we've had in the UK in the North American market and this slide really shows the breadth of the customer relationships that Railcom has. So these four categories make up the key component parts of the US rail market and Railcom has relationships and framework agreements with all of these key customers that you can see on the slide. So this is where it really gives us a quick step up in terms of accessibility and opportunity to engage right across the market and start to move our existing products over. So with that, I'll pass back to Chris to do the wrap up and we're looking forward. Okay, <clears throat> thanks Andy. So overall, where
1: are we? As I said at the start, you know, we're really pleased with the progress we've been made, uh, that's been made with a number of the strategic priorities that we have as a group. We've got good momentum at the start of H2, driven really by the recent conversion of the new contracts that we've discussed in this presentation. We're continuing to look and grow our M&A pipeline and an important thing we're doing differently with M&A now is that anything that we class as a bolt on has to be managed and delivered by an existing managing director within the business. Which And what that means is that we therefore leave ourselves with plenty of resource and capacity at group level to continue to drive forward with the next deal much more quickly than perhaps we used to be able to do. And if you were to go and look at railcom.com, for example, you'll see that we within the within on the day we bought the company, the day we announced it, um, the website was already had fully adopted the Traxxas branding. It enabled uh, users to immediately land on the site and to navigate themselves around the Traxxas group without really recognizing that they'd actually moved from one different part of the business to another. And that's a really important part of what we want to be able to do with Future M&A is to ensure that we can integrate very early, we can get the maximum benefits from, from those acquisitions, um, and really use that to drive um, accelerated growth. So alongside that, we're continuing to see a strong post-COVID recovery. We expect by the end of H2 to have every impacted business back to normal revenue levels. At this stage, that just remains to be the traffic data business, which is tracking back to normal levels. Um, and therefore, that that's fantastic news uh, for us. Um, and that now allows us to now start planning for the future of those businesses rather than simply it will be about um, recovery and then in addition despite the recent conversion of so many new contracts our software pipeline continues to grow we're actively engaged in discussions with the industry about the future of great british railways that transition is continuing to move forward and we've been asked some great questions in terms of our engagement along the lines of you know how, how, what is Traxxas's vision for creating a data-driven, customer-focused, safety-critical future for the rail industry? So if you think of those words in that, data-driven, that's what we're investing in uh, with, with our data analytics and GIS investment. Customer-focused is it's at the heart of what we do. We're constantly trying to innovate and deliver projects and, and products that drive improvements in customer experience and in the efficiency of the operations that underpin them. And safety critical, that's exactly what all of our rail hub and remote condition monitoring and now the products that we've uh, we have as part of the railcom acquisition deliver to the industry. So we have a really strong set of products that are aligned to the direction in which the ind- of travel for the industry. And that really underpins our confidence moving forward. So if you look at the boxes at the bottom, we're going to continue to drive innovation and deliver the large ongoing software deployments that we have at the moment. We're gonna to continue to accelerate the pace of integration of acquisitions, as well as focusing on the pipeline. And that pipeline of m a is focused in two key areas. It's around rail software, it's around data analytics. So it's very focused, um, it has a wide geographic remit, but it's very focused in terms of, of the offering that we're looking for. As Andy spoke about, we will have a fully implemented ESG scorecard by the end of this year, against which we can report on an ongoing basis Um, the success stories across our group and the contribution we're making across these important areas. And so in summary, we're committed to our overall strategic growth objectives. Uh, We have a strong balance sheet and therefore we're able to execute very much so on the investment plans that we have ahead of us. So thank you very much for listening and I'll pass back to to Tamsin.
0: Thank you, Chris. The first question is, do you see the RELCOM acquisition benefiting the UK proposition?
1: the, UK, the U.S. and the U.K. are quite different in regards of the size and scale of the freight operations. Um, so in the U.S., the offerings that we have are very much targeted at the, the, the large scale um, yards that are very frequent across the U.S. market. So what you find in the U.S. is that there are short line operators that deal sort of typically at state level. They then feed into the um, class one infrastructure that is um, nationwide. And what you find is there's very large yards where um, products are stored, shipped, moved across from one train to another. And that requires a real level of of automation and control to make sure that's done effectively. You don't see that same level of demand here in the UK. So I think what we're likely to see is more of a transfer um, of our technology and services from the UK to the US market. Than the other way around although what we are encouraging other teams to collaborate and really understand where those uh, where any opportunity might exist thank you
0: and i've got two questions about the competitive landscape in the us for traxx's existing products can you outline the us rail software competitive landscape and whether there's a similar amount of white space to grow into
1: yeah absolutely it's a great question So, um, so when I joined the CEO three years ago, we did a large scale study of the North American market because we recognized that was a a strategic um, target for us moving forward. and we wanted to understand was there a Traxxas-like organization in that marketplace? So as part of that study, we couldn't find anybody that looked like, looked like us, and we still haven't been able to. So, so to summarize that, there doesn't appear to be a vehicle technology, sorry, rail technology or a rail software consolidation play going on uh, in the US at the moment. Um, But what we did find out from that study was we highlighted Railcom as our number one priority in terms of the type of business that was of a size and scale where we could land in the marketplace and then look to repeat the successes that we'd had in the UK in terms of then acquiring other businesses and then being a consolidator in terms of that type of technology. So there are lots of very small players that we found that, are do, that do very specialist parts of what we do in the UK. Um, but we've not found anybody that has the breadth and scale of opportunity or those capabilities that we have. So we think when we go into things like remote condition monitoring, we, we do know some of the international competitors because they already compete with us in the UK. But we think we've got something quite unique in terms of the breadth of the offering we're able to bring into the market.
0: Thank you very much. And how much is the much publicized supply chain issues impacting Traxxas?
1: So we have have very carefully protected our supply position. So it only really affects our remote condition monitoring hardware business. Um, So we've got guaranteed supplies for at least two years ahead of us. So we've gone through all of the different components on our products. Um, We've identified anything that we think is a threat of obsolescence and we've pre-bought those components. Um, and anything else that we believe is is at risk in the longer term, we've secured um, more than enough volumes uh, to meet our future requirements. Um, What's interesting now is we are starting to see some of the the suppliers who buy from us asking whether they can pre-buy and secure future volumes to make sure that they're not put at risk. So you know there there will be some interesting conversations going on there around what's that worth, what's the pricing point as a result of guaranteeing that level of supply. But certainly from our perspective, we're confident that we will not be impacted in terms of our ability to meet the industry's needs.
0: Tremendous, thank you. And um, can you talk about the level of wage inflation you're seeing across your staff base and whether you've made any significant price increases to your products?
2: Andy, John? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a very pertinent issue at the moment. So our, um, our salary review timings follow our financial year. So we will be <clears throat> implementing our annual salary reviews from the 1st of August so we haven't seen any significant impact in the current year numbers um, but it's a very live issue that, that we're uh, trying to identify what the right solution is how can we make sure that we look after our people but also make sure that we are able to protect our margins so we do have the opportunity from a pricing perspective on many of our contracts to um, to increase pricing we have pricing mechanisms built in So um, our challenge at the moment is to make sure that we are able to uh, look after the group margins at that sort of low 20s level that I indicated before and absorb any impact from a wage inflation perspective
0: thank you and um you have partly covered this question there was some revenue growth in the rest of the world in half one was this a one-off or are there plans to grow beyond the uk well we obviously know you're going into the us market but what about europe or any other international markets
1: there we are, we are seeing in, we are seeing interest from other markets australia in particular is there's a lot of uh, crossover of what we do um, with how their infrastructure works and the challenges that they face, and um, so we'll continue to um, you know, satisfy that demand pr- pretty much on an ad hoc basis with regards to some of the countries in you know, Austro- Australia and Southeast Asia at this point. Um, Europe's slightly different, um, so we have some um, very clear competition in Europe so companies that do things very similar to us so for example in Germany there's a a PLC called IVU um, and in southern Europe there's a company called Syscog and there are various others who who do offer very similar products and services to ourselves Um, so in some of the markets it's very difficult for us to enter as a as a a British company because there's already an, an incumbent in play so I think realistically, our, our growth path into Europe will be very similar to the one from, from the US, which will be looking for a business similar to a, a RELCOM in size and scale. And then we'll be using that as the basis around which we then um, look to grow into the European market.
0: Thank you very much. And what are your plans for M&A in the year ahead?
1: Um, we can you- continue to push ahead as hard as we can. You go ahead with that one, Andy.
2: No, I was going to say, we, we, you know, we're constantly on the lookout. Um, we've, we've got the balance sheet to support it. Um, we're always open for business. Um, clearly, there's not much that we can say in terms of specifics, but we're always on the lookout for those opportunities.
1: Yeah, and we've got we've got so we've got the financial horsepower. I mean, I think the thing we're seeing slightly differently now is that um, I think during the COVID pandemic we didn't see many um, proactive approaches from companies because um, cash flow was not really a major issue for people during the COVID crisis because of the furlough scheme and and the government support that was in play. We are definitely seeing more companies now. Um, approaching us to have a more proactive conversation around, they feel now is the right time to to, to look to um, you know sell out and become part of a, bro- a broader organisation that's perhaps got a bigger appetite for risk and can um, you know tackle some of the challenges coming forward. And I guess with the cost of living degrees at the moment um, and with other challenges that just exist, you know, potentially around a future recession or whatever else might might come our way, um, that certainly. Uh, changes people's risk appetite. Thank you.
0: And what's the landscape like for freight operators? Are there lots of different operators to sell into or is it a few dominant players?
1: Um, If you look at the products that we sell, we think there's probably about six freight operators in the UK that are of the size and scale to, to, to need our products and services. So if you think there's 25 passenger operators of probably which, I don't know, maybe 15 would buy a, a lot by our desktop software but who would buy sort of the, the bigger um more hosted solutions and um, so you can see freight is is not as big as the passenger space but it's still you know a sizable market and sizable opportunity for us and um, the core product for freight operators will be tracks enterprise and um, now in the us that is called crew, a crew calling solution and um, what, what, what the beauty of having a track record in the UK will be, then we'll be able to hopefully take that across to the US and be able to demonstrate that as a proven freight um, system. Um, and so that's that's that will also be one of our future objectives.
0: Thank you very much, and that's the end of questions. Chris, do you have any closing remarks?
1: Um, just to say thank you very much, everybody, for for joining us today. Um, you can see from uh, the presentation that the, the group's in a really strong position. Um, we've got a great team of people. Um, I think we've got some product offerings that are really well placed um, for the challenges ahead for the rail industry in terms of its you know, digitalization agenda and the drive for improving customer experience and, um, and safety. Um, so you know, yeah, just I guess as a closing remark, a huge thank you to the team um, who are delivering an outstanding job and um, we're very confident about the, uh, the ongoing future performance of the group.